Lord Jesus, you have all the time you need tonight to do a work in our hearts. Father, we choose to begin this time in the Scriptures together out of a place of surrender. Out of a place of not being hurried or rushed. Thinking about all the things that are still left to be done or things that we did that we shouldn't have done. Or... But we choose to move into a place of awareness in regards to your presence. We come for a sermon. We come for music. Or if we come for each other and we miss you, it's a wasted evening. Jesus, we choose to move into a place of being aware of what you're doing in this room tonight. You're the shepherd of our souls. You and only you, God, know the places of our heart where we're weighed down with cares and worries and troubles and hurts. Jesus, we make room for you to touch us. We give ourselves permission to touch you. In our hearts we know and we believe that there will be an exchange of our pain for your promises, our hurts for your healing our hopelessness for your encouragement. Jesus, we believe that we can never be touched by you or touch you and something not change. Just between you and the Lord in your heart, just tell Him, you have time to do what you want to do in my life tonight. One of the saddest things as Christians is that we would let our schedules become full of everything except His presence. Just tell Him in your heart, Jesus, you, you have time to do what you need to do in my heart tonight. That's a good place to say amen. You know, prayer changes things. And the first thing that prayer needs to change is you. Okay, I'm going to say it again and see if I still get the same amen. Are you ready? Prayer changes things. And the first thing that needs to change through prayer is you. I love what C.S. Lewis said in regards to prayer. He said, prayer never changes God. It always changes us. We've been spending time in prayer in the mornings here at 7 o'clock in the morning. and We've had a faithful few <laughs> that, have, that have hung with it and continue to come. And we've got an even larger faithful group that's been watching uh, via Facebook Live, and I just think it's awesome that we're able to make that available uh, through there. And total, we've been able to bring about 350 to 400 people together in the mornings for prayer, uh, and I just think that that's, that's, that's an awesome thing. And if one will put 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000, then what will 350 do? That's awesome. 
So I've, I've been really blessed to be here in the mornings. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that, I have, uh, that I'm not tired later in the day, because I am. Seven o'clock in the morning is still early for me. Uh, some of you are up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, and we'll take you to one of our deliverance rooms, and whatever, whatever demon's causing that in your life, we'll, we'll have you, you know, throw up in the bucket or whatever you need to do to... All right, just some charismatic humor. Just let it go. So they throw up in buckets here? Well, if we got them. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. Prayer prayer changes things. And over the next two Wednesdays, so this Wednesday, next Wednesday, then it's Jubilee. And I'm I'm excited about everything that God's doing. And preparation for that has been, has been cool, but... Uh, Today and then next week, I'm just going to continue on what Pastor Dwayne started last week in regards to just taking time throughout these three weeks of prayer to talk about prayer and just to begin a conversation. And tonight we're going to talk about prayer and how it changes you. And then next week we're going to talk about how changing you has the potential to change the world. And I don't know if you know this or not, but whenever you made a decision to follow Jesus you kind of got a spot reserved for you on a battleship, not a cruise ship. There's a lot of Christians I talk to that think this is the cruise ship. And it's and, and sometimes you can be disappointed if you think Christianity is about the cruise ship. Uh, but th- there is a fight. And, and the thing that you have to understand is that this fight that we engage in as believers is not from a place of offense, it's from a place of defense. Do you know that it's impossible if you're a born-again believer to lose? In counseling people and talking with people, I, I can tell you there's about five things that I feel like I've kind of filtered down in my mind that if people would actually live like they believed, these five things, and I'm going to give you one, I think it would change everything about the way that we that we live, and one of them is, as a born-again Christian, you don't have the ability to lose. Do you know how much that would change in regards to the way that I pray if I believe that I can't lose? Let me just cut to the chase. There's way too much flesh in the church. Christians are supposed to have not frequently active flesh or once a week active flesh. Christians are supposed to have dead flesh. I'm just preaching the Bible. I know people have problems with the Bible, but it's the only thing I know to preach. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All old things have passed away, not become dormant, and able to be activated at any time. That's called immaturity. You know I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I've never started a sermon by telling you that I have it all figured out. I just know what the right answer is like you do. I just choose to do the opposite sometimes. Anybody else? It's, it's not really a matter of not knowing what the right thing is, church. It's a matter of just not wanting to do it sometimes. Everybody okay? All right, we're on the same plane now. I'll come stand down there if I need to, but don't, don't, don't operate with the assumption that because I'm standing up on the stage that I have all this figured out. I don't. I don't know if, if you've ever noticed this or not, but God doesn't call perfect people. He just calls people that are crazy enough to say yes. But I believe that if you can live with this realization that as a Christian you can't lose, not only will it change the way you live your life, it definitely will change the way that you pray. And there's a lot of self, there's a lot of flesh that surfaces in our prayer. And that's an okay place for it to surface, but it's just 
not an okay place for it to remain. See, prayer is the way that we allow God to deal with us. Prayer is the way that we get into a posture. People, uh, there's, a, there's a running joke that one of my words I like to use a lot in sermons is, is posture. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's Chaz, our children's pastor. He always picks on me. He said, I count how many times you say posture in a, in a service. He said, you know, that's your word, right? Posture is your word. I said, well, that's a good word. I like it. So posture, 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 posture. There you go, Chaz. Count that. All right. So prayer is about posturing our hearts in a place of surrender so that God can do something. A lot of people approach prayer as their last resort instead of their first response. You ever talk to people or have you ever been this person? Well, I guess we can pray. You ever heard that before? Well, what can we do? Well, I guess we can pray. What should we do about this? Well, I guess we could pray about it. Or we could say this. Well, all I can do is pray. When we say all I can do is pray, or we say things like, well, I guess what's left to do is pray, we have a zero understanding in regards to the power of prayer. And we have zero understanding in regards to our newfound identity in the Lord. The reason that the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, and the reason why prayer is important in our lives as believers, is because prayer is the way that we stay constantly grounded, right? We stay constantly grounded to the fact that we are from somewhere else, and God has made us to become somebody else. Prayer, church, is about awareness. Most people live life on autopilot. Life happens to them. They don't live life. Life's something that happens to them. And people that live, Christians, right? The world's got to get saved before there's any help. So I'm not talking to the world. Like the, the, we, we all have to die. That's the newsflash. Like if you want to get better, you have to die. You have to die to self. Surrender to Jesus, be born again, and then you can start the process of being better than you've ever been. But until that happens, I can't, I can't do anything. You know, Go buy a self-help book and you know, eat pizza rolls and watch Netflix and everything will be okay for you. But for the believers that are in the room tonight, if we're going to talk about the purpose of prayer in our life, we've got to understand that prayer is the pathway that allows us to stay constantly grounded, to the fact that we are from somewhere else. I told you there's way too much flesh in the church. There's way too much worldly perceptions and carnal thinking in the body of Christ today, in our context of the American church. And part of it's connected to how blessed we are. You know, uh, when you have to figure out whose house we're meeting at tonight, because the last house that we went to got busted up, and three of us got killed on the spot. That'll kind of change the way that you process in regards to your praying and your Christianity. So the problem is, is that we can't allow the blessedness of being in this country to be a cause for spiritual apathy and an excuse for carnality. The, 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 the blessedness of living in this country should actually give us the ability to be greater in regards to our boldness and greater in regards to our devotion. But because people spend most of the time united to Christ in their spirit, but in their soul still fellowshipping with the devil. Do you know the greatest hindrance to your walk with the Lord is not anointing? You don't need more anointing. I don't care what book told you that you needed more anointing. It's not the good book. You don't need, now it would be nice, and it'll happen for some of us, but you don't need an angelic visitation. You, it's nice if it happens, but you don't need a goosebump experience.
They're nice when they happen, but you don't need it. What you need is an understanding of the finished work of the cross. What you need is relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we need is to mature in our understanding of what Christ has done for us and what He now has empowered us to be able to be, the type of people He's called us to be. The thing that will hinder your walk with the Lord more than anything else is not lack of anointing, it's immaturity. You're not limited because you lack anointing. We're limited because we lack maturity. And immature people are people that live reactively. Prayer is about getting into a place of proactivity in our lives. All right? There's nothing wrong with a, oh God, please help me prayer. Sometimes those are needed. Everybody been in that situation before when it's, oh God, please help me prayer, right? But a better prayer is being able to be in a place of communion with God that we're able to spot problems before they happen. Jesus didn't die for you to live reactive. And Jesus didn't die so you could live underneath your circumstances. The Scripture says that you're seated with Him in heavenly places. Church, if you're seated with Him in heavenly places, then that means there's not anything that He sees that we can't see. It it doesn't come down to whether or not you think you can do it. Because that's always the, the factor here. Okay, I believe that, but I just don't know if I can do that. There's a verse in Philippians that'll help you. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I'll give it to you best I can remember it, but this is roundabout how it goes. Are you ready? A one, a two, a three. Here it is, Philippians 2, 13. For it's God at work in you, giving you the desire and the power to do that which pleases Him. See, part of the reason why our prayer life is shallow because we think it has something to do with our power instead of His. People say, well, Pastor, I want to be able to live in a place of prayer. I want to be able to live in a place of awareness to my posturing. There you go, Chaz. In God. I want to be able to live aware of me seated with Christ in heavenly places. I want to access the mind of Christ, but sometimes I just lack the desire. And sometimes I just lack the power to will myself into doing it. Man, if you're, if you're, getting, if you're getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning for prayer and there's joy in your heart, praise God. But if you're getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning for prayer, to will yourself into prayer, God doesn't want to be there any more than you do. Where are my intercessory people at? All right, listen to me, intercessory people. If you go into intercession and you come out more messed up than you went in, you need to go back to the closet and shut the door for all of our sakes. Don't come out until you're better. I'm travailing in the Spirit. Okay, close the door on that mess until the travailing's done. And then come out. Because if the whole point of prayer is to be able to practice God's presence, if the whole point of prayer is to be able to come aware of what He's doing, if the whole point of prayer is fellowship and communion with God, then last time I read my Bible, in His presence is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you're not experiencing the divine pleasure of the Lord after your intercessory intercessory prayer session, if you're not experiencing the divine joy of God in your life, then you're praying out of your flesh and not out of your spirit, and you need to go back to the closet and die to flesh and don't come out until it's dead. Well, I, I left that prayer session and I'm just more troubled and grieved in my heart than before I went into it then who in the world were you praying to? Who who were you talking to? It wasn't God. Well, I left this this time of prayer, you know, and I'm not even going to get into all that. It'll be a separate session. All right. Prayer is a pathway to awareness. Listen to me. God does not will for you to live your spiritual life on autopilot. You need to understand that you are a spiritual being. 
You are more than just your flesh and your bones. You're a spiritual being that has spiritual awareness, and your spirit has the ability to pick up on spiritual realities. Prayer is the way that we allow ourselves to become aware of what's going on in the place that we're actually supposed to be residing. Have you ever thought about how Jesus was able to hang on the cross and experience the pain of that? See the people in front of him that had spit on him, mocked him. Seeing people that had betrayed him, had turned away from him. And his response is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Why was he able to do that? Well, I I can tell you why. It's because he was dying on the cross, but he was already living someplace else. Why was Jesus able to be in the boat with the disciples and there a storm? And Jesus woke up sleepy and said, please be still. (laughs) Jesus didn't do what you think he did. The wind blowing, you know, the lightning coming. Peace, be still. It wasn't Gandalf, Lord of the Rings moment, okay? (laughs) You shall not pass. It wasn't that. He was asleep. How many of you have woken up from a dead sleep and gone straight into Gandalf mode before? Doesn't happen. There's a little bit of grogginess. How do you do that? It's it's because the world that Jesus lives in, there are no storms. You can only give what you have. Prayer is about you coming into an awareness of where you're from and who God's created you to be. That's why I don't pray my feelings. I pray the word of God. Jesus prayed the word. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Pastor talked about last week all the fallacies connected to there's no wrong way to pray. I know people say that from a good heart. There's a lot of things that we say from a good heart that's bad theology. Like, I don't understand why you're not getting healed right now. It's probably because God wants to develop character in you. That's said from a good heart. You're trying to understand and trying to help the person understand, but that's a really dumb thing to say. It's equally dumb to tell people there's no wrong way to pray. I know the heart's right, but how many of you know that if the heart's right, that means at the root of it, it's really a feeling thing, not a truth thing. And a lot of times we try to assume the role of the great comforter that's reserved for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes in certain situations, it's not my job to make sure that you're comforted. It's my job to be able to tell you the truth. In love, in love but not negate the truth. See, it's not love whenever the truth leaves. It's never love to lie, church. People lying to each other all the time and calling it love. That's not love. That's cowardice. Love is brave. It's bold. There is a wrong way to pray. Pastor talked about last week how he prayed for 15 years and never saw an answered prayer. How many of you know there's something wrong with your prayers if they're not being answered? See, but we just chalk unanswered prayers up as like, oh, well... You know, God's got a full inbox, so hopefully after he scrolls through some of the unread emails, he'll get to my prayer. No, I I believe that if we're praying along with the will of God, that it's a done deal. So if if I don't see that manifest, my job in that particular thing isn't to create some kind of weird theology about why my prayer isn't being answered. My place of my, my response is to be get into a deeper prayer and allow God to sure up my heart in, in concern to his promise. See, pe- people do this all the time. Anytime that we allow our prayers to become separate from God's word in some way, shape or form, ourselves have creeped into the equation. And I don't know if you know this or not, but 99% of the time, the devil's not the problem you are. See, the Bible also says that Jesus stripped the devil of all power and all authority. If I understand I'm dealing with a defeated enemy, then why do I get so worked up about what he's doing? It's always the devil. It's always the devil. No, sometimes it's just you and your flesh that's supposed to be dead. You've got way more authority than the devil does. Everybody okay? See, I, I, have to, I have to shift in my place of prayer. And in my prayers, if your prayers consist of paying more attention to the devil than the Holy Spirit, then you're praying wrong. 
And I bind this and I bind this and bada 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 and this spirit and I know this it gets it gets weird really quick. Look, here's here's my here's my response to the devil whenever he's talking to me. Are you ready? Shut up. Okay, one more time. Here's my response to the devil whenever he's talking to me. Shut up. Now, sometimes he's persistent and he'll keep talking. So guess what you do again? Shut up. But what if it's been several hours and you still hear him? Shut up. I've never had anybody not ever not be able to tell me what the devil's telling them. Not one time. Just a lot of people have a hard time hearing what God's telling them. It's because we don't know how to pray. One of the primary things that should be happening in our prayers is hearing God. Are you guys all right? I know I've been gone for a while. I didn't didn't really bring the appetizer to this session. I just brought the the the, the main meal. There, there probably won't be dessert tonight. Been waking up at seven o'clock in the morning every day. I'm tired. I'm just gonna, and I'm probably not gonna cut the pieces bite size. I'm just gonna cut the steak in half and throw it at you and say, "Not, not this for a while. Chew on this. It'll eventually go down. If if you gag, we'll just get it up and we'll put it back in again, and just we'll get it down somehow. Whatever we need to do." Listen, prayer is not a time for us to focus on what the devil's doing. Church, I don't care what the devil's doing. I don't care about that. I care what God's doing. God's the one in charge. He's not. If he gets in my way, I tell him to get out of my way. I don't have 30-minute 30, 30 rebuking sessions. That's Look, most Christians let the devil drive their prayer life more than the Holy Spirit. That's reactionary prayer. I don't need the devil to drive my prayer life. I need Jesus to drive my prayer life. Prayer is the way that I stay constantly grounded to where I'm from, which is not here, by the way. Oh, man. It's dangerous for me to preach when I'm tired. It's because anybody else don't have a filter whenever they get tired. It's like, dude, I don't even care. Here's the truth. I, I, I love you, but I just got to tell you the truth. You're being like, what you're saying is really annoying right now. And you've been wrong for about 25 years. And that's why I don't do counseling when I'm tired. I'll preach when I'm tired, but I won't do counseling when I'm tired. I just won't do it. Okay. So here's the thing that we need to learn about in our prayers. I believe that if we want to gain insight into our prayer life, we should probably read the Bible. Okay, I'm I'm good with like the prayer book. I'm good with you know, prayer storm, how to activate angelic breakthrough in the midnight hour. I'm okay with that. I'm cool with some of that stuff. Some of it's weird, and weird people read it. And and, and trust me, we can all tell that you're weird. We love you, but you scare us sometimes. You're scary, but we love you. So pay attention. Those things aren't wrong. I'm all about that. Right, you know, the the warfare hour. I, okay, that's cool. All right, that's my snore and drool on my pillow hour. For some people, it's warfare hour. Awesome. Thanks for fighting. I appreciate it. But this is what I believe we have to always do. I'm not against the supplemental material on prayer, but there's a lot of charismatic people I know that left the Bible a long time ago. They're on their twelfth book on prayer, and they haven't cracked the word in regards to prayer in 25 years. Listen to me, super saint. You don't graduate from the Bible. Well, it's time for me to move on to deeper things. It's time for me to just mature in my faith into deeper things. You know, the devil talks a lot like that, too. I think we've got to stay humble. We've got to stay teachable. All these people want to deepen their spirituality, and they're still mean to people. It's like, just figure out, like... You want to deepen your spirituality and you're still not nice to people. You still don't love people. Okay, everybody all right? I'm not against the supplemental material on prayer. 
But I am against not consulting the word regarding prayer. And that shouldn't be a controversial thing, but sometimes it is. Colossians chapter 1. This is a beautiful prayer that Paul prayed. You know that the things that the scriptures say need to be patterns for our lives. And you know if the book says it, it's not optional. Welcome to powerless Christianity, making the Bible optional. And what it says, optional. It's like, yeah, I don't like that one, but I'll put this one on my fridge. But that scripture, mm, I don't like it. doesn't matter if you don't like it. we got to figure out a way to eat it. All right. Okay. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul's talking about he heard that people in Colossae had come to the Lord, and he's praying for new believers. Everybody okay? It says, asking, what are they asking God? That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice not one phrase here said anything about learning the names of demons that are attacking your life. I want you to grow in your understanding of all the attacks that are coming against your life. No, it has everything to do with knowledge of God's will, which is good, not bad. Spiritual wisdom and understanding, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit, knowledge of God, strengthened with power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If your prayers don't lead to you experiencing joy, you need to learn how to pray. Prayer is not the feel sorry for me God session. It doesn't work with God. I know it works with Uncle Joe when you call and you gripe and you complain to him. And he tells you how terrible it is and how bad everybody's treating you. And they just don't value you. They just don't appreciate you. God doesn't tell you any of that garbage. When you pray to God, He doesn't tell you, Oh, you've just been mistreated today. No, He said, Oh, they wronged you? Would you consider them your enemy? Love them. Actually, do something really good for them. Bless them. But God, they hurt my feelings. Okay, don't pray if you want to complain. If you want to complain, call Uncle Joe. You guys remember Uncle Joe? He loves to listen to complaining, right? God's not going to reinforce your victim mentality. God's the creator, and you're made in his image. You're not made in the image of the victim. You don't go to prayer to get God to feel sorry for you or to validate how mistreated you are. You go to prayer so that Jesus can deal with your perceptions so that he can start actually changing your realities, No, no, son, you're not the victim. You're the victor. You're seated with me in heavenly places. Well, this person's been mean to me. Well, glory to God, you get your love and peace from me, not them. You have a source. You can love them even when they don't love you. Well, Jesus, I failed today. I really dropped the ball. I sinned. This old habit's coming back. Praise be to God who's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know why you have forgiveness of sins? Because sometimes you mess up and you sin. So when you fail, people fail and they pull away from God. Why? It's because we haven't allowed our prayers to shape us into a proper awareness of who God is. You know that whenever Jesus came, In the ministry that he did on the earth, one of the core things that happened and his will was to come and radically change everybody's perceptions about who God is. That's why he taught us the Lord's Prayer. And it begins with our Father. Why is that a big deal to understand in our prayer that we're talking to Father? Because a good and a perfect Father, whenever you fail, they're a safe place to run to. Are you hearing me? All right. When the forces of this world and 
darkness seems to grab a hold of you in different areas of your life, and it's pushing you in certain directions. My thought process is, if the winds of adversity are coming, I might as well use them in my favor. And if I'm going to fall, I might as well go ahead and just fall on my knees while I'm down there. R.A. Torrey said the following regarding prayer. He said, we're too busy to pray, and thus we're too busy to have any power in our lives. E.M. Bounds, a general in regards to prayer and what it means to be a person of prayer, said this. He said, there's no amount of preaching on the planet that will ever edify a prayerless soul. A lot of people are wondering why they're not built up in their inner man because I listen to sermons all day long. I have worship music playing all day long. It's because we're not praying. There's no amount of preaching that's ever going to replace your quality time of intimacy with God that's called prayer. It's so incredible that you actually have access to the Holy Spirit to have your own language of prayer. That its sole purpose out of the book of 1 Corinthians Chapters 12, 13, and 14, just read all three chapters, is so that you could be built up in your inner man, that you could be edified. Most people walk around broken, not because God doesn't have power, but because they don't pray. Okay. Do you have to pray? You don't have to live victorious either. Church, you don't even have to go to heaven if you don't want to. You don't have to pray, but I don't think that we can afford not to. We have to learn, all right, that the primary purpose of prayer, I believe that the primary purpose of prayer is not for us to get what we want. It's for us to become what God wants. It's formational. The way you pray is the way that you live. There's this old kind of Latin phraseology from the fathers of the church, but it's the way we worship is the way we live or the way we pray, so goes our life. We've got to learn how to be able to come into this place of acknowledging first and foremost that prayer brings us us into an awareness of who God is. And we pray to a God that knows us by name. He knows us by name, and He knows our situation firsthand. I'm not praying to God that's distantly removed from my life. I'm praying to Emmanuel, God, with me, with us, closer than your very breath. Hebrews said that Jesus lived this life of humanity and experienced everything in regards to human temptation. When you talk to Jesus about what you're struggling with, and you're asking for grace, which is his ability in your inability. You're asking for power to be able to overcome. You're asking for his guidance, for his truth. You're not talking to a God that can't relate to what you're experiencing. You ever talk to somebody that you just feel like can't relate to what you're experiencing? And they give you advice, but it's like, uh, But then you talk to somebody that's actually experienced what you've experienced. It's like this wealth of wisdom and revelation comes. And they seem to be speaking exactly to your situation. It's because they've lived it. That's Jesus. He's lived your situation. Okay? Jesus was tempted to cuss people out. He just never cussed. Jesus was tempted if he was was if there was cars back then to tell the guy that cut off in front of him that he was number one. You ever had anybody remind you you're number one before on the freeway? I take it as prophetic declaration from God. That guy knows I'm an overcomer. Praise God. He's number, he knows I'm number one. All right. As Pastor would say, that'll hit the rest of you later. Some of you are just so innocent and pure. I shouldn't even make jokes like that. You're really going to be thinking. You're going to Google. trying to Just don't. Just forget about it. All right. I know some of you just, you just, you live in, anyway. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to, Stop your Holy Ghost jam. I didn't say that Jesus did those things, but he was tempted with those things. You know, Jesus was tempted to lie. 
Man, if you ever tell the truth long enough and you start getting the response that you get when you tell the truth, you'll be tempted to start lying. It's problematic. All right. Listen, most people that lie habitually, this is a side note, but I feel like it's worth saying, it's not because they're evil. They've just been hurt a lot. People lie for all different kinds of reasons, church, not because they're evil and manipulative. There are some of those in the world, but they're few and far between. The majority of the reason people lie is out of shame and out of hurt. Everybody all right? So if you want a world with less liars, if you find that your circle that you run with has got a lot of liars, you need to do a better job of loving people. Because if you love well, the truth will be the byproduct. Love and truth go hand in hand. When you don't operate in love, people feel like they have to lie around you. Trust me, you don't want to come see me for counseling. Trust me, you don't want to. You want to see anybody else but me. Pay attention. I'm doing a little Jedi mind trick right now. You want to see anybody else but me. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, guys, if you're having problems in your life, everywhere that you go, I remember I was talking to this uh, young girl one time. She's getting kicked out of all these schools. And I was talking to her. She, Every school I go to, I get kicked out. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I go to this school. I've been to five different schools and blah, 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 blah. I said, man, that's crazy. I know. I said, man, so you got like the same little group of like mean girls following you around school to school? Like they, you leave, they, that you leave and they follow and they ruin your life? No. I said, what about, it's got to be like a teacher, right? Like this teacher that hates your guts. And everywhere you go, she's there. He's there. Principal, coach, I went through all it. No, no. I said, but it's the same you? Okay. I feel like this is just a little prophetic side rail. If, you, if you're dealing with a lot of people lying to you in your life, ask God what your response is and has been whenever the people around you have failed. Because when people around you fail and you deal with them in anger and in wrath, I'd lie to you too. All right. Side note. Listen. Prayer is about coming into an awareness of who God is and what's going on in His heart. Catch this. And prayer is about us coming into an awareness of who we are and what's going on in our hearts. Prayer is about focused attention and time to see if there's positive correlation between what's in God's heart and what's in my heart. And if it's not, we allow the Holy Spirit to move out the junk so that I can get into alignment with what's in God's heart. One of my favorite ministers says it this way. He says, you can't afford to have a thought in your mind about you that isn't already in his about you. Prayer is about coming into alignment with truth. Prayer is about coming into a place of an awareness of God's presence. It's not coming into a place to act like God's my vending machine. God forbid that we ever start treating Jesus like a vending machine. And prayer is not... Man. I don't have I don't have enough time. I'll come back next week and talk some more. But but here's the thing that I want. Can I just tell you one more thing? All right. Where are you at? Yes, I'm gonna talk to you. <laughs> Rest of you go home. I'm gonna talk to yes for a second. All right. The encouragement that we have to have is understanding that going into a place of prayer is going into a place of honesty. Okay? People lie because of the way they've been treated by others when they've brought out their junk or a failings come. You never have to worry about God dealing with you that way because all of that's already been dealt with at the cross. When I allow anything other than what's happened at the cross to be my standard or my basis for the way that I pray then what happens is, is that I get into my own performance. Listen to me, guys. I've heard people say this before, all right? And, and, and this is not good. Don't fall into this trap. I, I heard this conversation one time, and my wife knows there's just sometimes it's better for me just not to talk unless I'm provoked. There was a situation a couple weeks ago. I was provoked, and I said some things, not angry, just the truth. And it kind of it kind of went okay. The 
the dinner table was really quiet after that. But sometimes it's just better for me not to talk some, some of the time. Because you just get annoyed with how wrong people are sometimes. Yeah, because you're so right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I caught you. I tricked you. See, that's why it's better for me not to talk sometimes because it's flesh. But I was hearing this conversation one time. I said, you know, we were praying for this person, for them to be healed. And, you know, they ended up not getting healed. And, you know, sometimes I just think there was just one word in that prayer. That when we get to heaven, God's going to show us if you would have just changed that one word. If you would have said this word instead of that word, man, it could have been healed. Do you feel the weight of that? Prayer can't be predicated on anything other than the completed work of Jesus at the cross. The whole reason I'm able to pray and get results is because Jesus has already done all the work. Like, that's it. It's not the eloquence of your prayer that gets it. Okay? It's not not about that. And in regards to the sick, there's only one Bible verse that even says that we pray for the sick. Everywhere else, Jesus said just to heal the sick. But that's a different topic for another day. Anyway, so I'm going to end on that really controversial piece of information. All right. Listen, a lot of time people say, well, are you saying this? Look, don't pay attention to what I'm not saying. Pay attention to what I'm saying. That's the problem. People miss stuff all the time. Well, why are you saying this? I didn't say that. Don't pay attention to what I'm not saying. Just pay attention to what I'm saying. What am I saying? I don't even know, so I'm about to quit. <laughs> Listen to me. Last, last point here, all right? Okay. Are you getting anything so far? Just a little. Okay. All right. I'm done after this, I promise. 742. We're going to get out of here early. Somebody's been praying. All right. So, all right. Here we go. There's power in prayerful declaration of the Word of God. All right. You want to talk about really enriching your understanding and even the activation of the scriptures in your life? Don't just read it, pray it. Okay. Because if we really want to line up with Jesus's model for prayer, which is probably a good idea, you know, like if we knew that the Bible had a perfect business model, oh, you better believe that people would be following it. I mean, serious. If we knew that the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, show us the way to be able to build a debt-free company that earns six figures a year, man, you want to talk about the copy machine would be rolling, you know? People, I mean, we would just, we would memorize that thing. We would figure out how to do it. Are you following me? Jesus has given us a model for prayer. And I've met people that don't even know it. Lord, Lord's prayers, I'm talking about our Father who art in heaven. Listen, guys, that's not a Catholic thing. I've had some charismatic people tell me about the prayer of God. Well, they got some things in there that sound Catholic. <laughs> well, every time you talk, you sound dumb. So, like, what's the difference here? Do I want to sound Catholic or dumb? Okay. That Lord's prayer's in there. It's in the Bible too, Hot Rod. We're praying that Lord's prayer that the Catholics pray. We got communion here too. They take communion too. We read the Bible. They read the Bible. Are you following me? It's not a Catholic thing. Listen to me. The Apostles' Creed isn't a Catholic thing. All right. Anyways. Jesus, help. There's a, there's a t- Listen, I'm not poking fun at denominations. You just heard me defend the Catholics. Actually, I didn't defend the Catholics. I just defended that we're not Catholic is all I did. Love, love my Catholic brothers, okay? But listen to me here. All right. There's a <laughs> I just thought this was funny. There's a certain denomination that's got a prayer. It's a written prayer. <laughs> this <laughs> This is the prayer. You're going to like it. Are you ready? This is seriously a part of their prayer book. I'm not kidding. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, I did it again. <laughs> I want to talk about defeated prayer life, man. Lord, I've done it again. Okay. 
don't pray that prayer. If you have access to the mind of Christ, here's a good prayer. Father, give me, in accordance to what Paul prayed, knowledge of your will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I quit doing the thing I don't want to do. Not, Lord, I did it again. That's the beginning of a country song, church. If your prayer language is the same as a Hank Williams song, you need to get saved. There's a tear in my beer, Lord. <laughs> quit drinking the beer. Bless God. All right. And quit crying. Actually, it's okay to cry. All right. <laughs> we've we've got to stop. Because the laughter is about to hit and people are going to be rolling in the floor and... It's going to be, people are going to be barking and we got to get out of here. All right. You just wait. All right. Okay. See, I'm telling you, it's coming, man. It's coming. All right. What was I saying? There's a tear in my beard. Don't tell me that. I deleted all my Hank Williams. That's tough, though. I still, I still can't get rid of Willie, though. I just, just something about Willie. I want Willie Nelson to do a worship album. It's just what I want. I want him to get saved, and I want him to do a worship album. We fall down. Anyway, (laughs) we lay our crown. All right. (laughs) All right, stand up. Let me pray for you. Father, we've done it again. Lord, just help us. Holy Ghost, just get them in Jesus' name. And just help us, God, to be people that stop complaining and start prophesying. Help us to be people that stop living reactive to what the devil's doing. Devil, shut up in Jesus' name. We just don't like your voice. You're annoying, and we just don't like you. But we love Jesus. And Jesus, we just say, have your way in our hearts. Give us the knowledge of your will and grow us in spiritual understanding. And teach us, I pray. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Teach us how to become people that through prayer become aware of what's in your heart and become aware of what's in our heart so that we can look more like you to the glory of God the Father in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good. All right. Prayer teams, ministry teams, come on down. If you need prayer, come, receive. If you need ministry, ministry.